The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Hello there. Uh, welcome along to the Old Gold Club podcast. I'm Mikey Burrows, Chris Oelamo, alongside me as ever. You are right. Yeah, very good. Yourself? Uh, I'm very well. Um, we admitted on a recent podcast uh, with Don Goodman that we have kind of pre-recorded some of these podcasts to kind of get us through the Christmas yeah. and New Year period because we're busy people. Well, I mean, I'm busy at, at matches and Looms wanted some time off. <laughs> so, um, so we kind of pre-recorded a lot of these. So you're probably listening to this in the new year. Happy New Year. Uh, 2019, what a year ahead, potentially. Um, but we're still in 2018. And so things haven't happened yet. Lots of stuff could happen. Who knows? <laughs> Don't predict the future, Looms. That's the way, that's the way you've got to go forwards. Um, but it means that um, we're at a time of year. Uh, hello, John Richards, by the way. I'm, I'm already confused, Mike. Yeah, he's, lo- he's lost I, me. I, he's I, lost, me. lost me. I, Johnny's lost I me. I just don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> so what time period am I back in at, at the back, moment? Back at Molyneux. You know right. where you are. You, you scored plenty of goals here in time enough. Um, yes. We're, we're at a time period um, where at the time of recording, we have just lost the great Bill Slater. Mm. And mm. I just wanted to start off the podcast just kind of referencing him because you'll have met him quite a few times yes many times because you're heavily involved with the former players association now as well that's right um what was he like uh a gentleman you know as all a lot of the players of that generation were you know they were they were brought up hard they played hard but off the pitch they were gentlemen and uh, bill was one of those we all know that of his uh record playing for wolves and he was a natural Captain followed on from the the great Billy Wright, and uh, won the FA Cup. But he was also uh, a very intelligent man. He became a lecturer, as you, as we all are aware. But uh, whenever I met him, he was uh, always asking after the players. You know, he was very concerned about us, and he did a great job for us when he was uh, in charge of the former players' association. Because he was a guy who, when you look at some of the photos of him lifting the FA Cup and mm. being lifted by his teammates. He was a big guy. He was big and he was probably, would be described as an uncompromising defender. <laughs> so <laughs> I would not have liked to have played against him, let's put it that way. I think I would, uh, I would have needed a, a lot more speed to keep away from him. But he was, uh, you know, he, he was of that generation and in that generation they got stuck in and he was one of the best. He had uh, 339 appearances mm. for Wolves. He won both an OBE and a CBE. He picked up, as you say, the FA Cup. He was part of a, a golden era Very and a golden so. generation yeah. for the football club. And really, that from when I joined Wolves in 1969, that was the team that we were compared to. And, you know, it was one of those situations. It was very difficult to follow the, the 50s and early 60s team because of the success they had. We did quite well in the 70s, but they still, you know, they still went back to the uh, the 60s, the Billy Wrights, the Bill Slaters, and quite rightly so. It's it's set the tone for the club even now. You know, people talk about Wolves as a, a global team. It only became a global team because of that team, of that uh, 50s and 60s led by Billy Wright and Bill Slater. Because what was that like for you? Because we have, you know, we talk to players from lots of different generations that's right, yeah. doing this. And one of the things that's come up is that the 2009 team, of which Looms is a member, yep. a little bit 
irked that the 2003 team is held in higher reverence. They both got to the Premier League, but the 2009 team won the championship, stayed there for a couple of years, and yet the fans always see 2003 as a bigger thing. For you, I mean, this is a completely different scale. You got to a European final, but still you must have had comparisons to the other one. By comparison, we, we weren't as good as that team, and we weren't. You know, because we didn't have the success. They won the the league, I think it was three times in the 50s. They won the FA Cup, 49s, and then 60. So, and those were the the things to win. It's always difficult to compare anyway, you know, because of the the circumstances. But if you're looking on results, you know, I think it's a bit unfair, you know, with what you're talking about with the comparison of the of the recent teams, you know. They got the success, you know, which which was desperately needed for a club like Wolves and every success that they, we've had in recent years has led to this you know, has led to this sort of, you know. was, that, was that something that you were aware of as a player then? Very much so you know, Really? Yeah because the, 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 we, they talked about it you yeah. know, and, and the, the, the former players came to the matches you know, Billy was here Billy was working for the, um, the Central TV so on a lot of occasions he was here for the matches um, covering the matches with the, with the TV and the players were here, your Johnny Hancocks, your Jimmy Mullins, you know, Peter Broadbents, they were still local. And that's the thing, they were all still local people. And so they had to come along to the matches. And they were, they were hero-worshipped. Yeah. And quite rightly so. Because after that, after that team, Wolves got relegated in the, in the mid-60s. And then they came back up, I think it was 67, 68, something like that. And I joined in 69. And we were just on the way back. So it was... It was always com- compared unfavourably to the si- for the fifties and sixties team, and we were very much aware of that. Would you we, say we, it gave we, you we, an extra drive then for, for that group of players that you, you came in in '69? I think not really, because I think as players you just do what you, what you can now, yeah. you know. And if you get that success, then you you know you're fortunate and you're, you're happy with it. But you always had this thing in the back of the back of your mind that. You know, no matter what we did, if we didn't win the league, if we didn't win the FA Cup, all right, we won the League Cup twice, we got to the UEFA Cup final once, it was still not good enough. And and I think that's normal and understandable because, you know, it's it's difficult to be compared to, you know, what was the best of that? Yeah. It was the best team, not only in England at the time, but considered to be one of the best teams in the world. Is there enough reverence given to your squad, though? Because, I mean, you look around this place yes. now and, you know, everything's got Sir Jack on it and no one takes away from what Sir Jack did. Yeah. Obviously, Billy has a stand and a statue and Stan Cullis has a stand and a statue. Yeah. There isn't as much for your era. Well, because you move on. Um, and, and I think that's what... It's, it's of, of today, you know. We are respected. We are recognised. I can go anywhere. A lot of players from my generation are local. Will tell you now. You know, then walk out, go to Wolverhampton. People talk to them. They talk about the, uh, you know, the good times in the seventies and the eighties, and and it's wonderful. So we are recognised and we are respected. But it's like everything. Things move on. Football moves on. You know, the current supporters want current heroes. Your previous heroes aren't forgotten. You know. Your Billy Wrights, your Bill Slaters, we're talking about Bill, your Peter Broadmans, me, Dugan, Wagstaff, coming to, nearer to Andy Much, Bully, people like that. They're not forgotten. 
all they're looking for is new heroes and that's what happens in football so we do get the respect I think we do get the recognition because it's been so long since Wolves have won um, a national trophy yeah. you know so our team of the 70s will, will still be considered probably to be the the second best team that Wolves have had since the like end of the World War Two, so it's uh, it's it's special, you know. And you know, Chris will probably know himself. You know, people st- fans still recognise and appreciate players for what they'd done for that team at the particular time that they were playing. They don't forget, no. and they don't replace you. They don't replace you. It's 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 accepted and recognised that. They move on. There's a new hero. There's a new player. There's a new team. There's a new manager. Do you think football moves on too fast? You know, this is a this is a great football club with great history. With like you say, great teams. You're quite accepting of the fact that oh yeah, it's the second best. And that, even though, like you say, you never went and you went and won league cups. You, you scored big goals. You know, you mm. you should be re- revealed. Well, it's not bad, is it? Second best. It's it's it. it's. it's I, you can't always be the best, but at least you can be as good as you could be, or as you, uh, your ability allows mm-hmm. you to be. Uh, and it's, it's it's great with hindsight. You look back and think, well, if we'd have done this, if we'd have done that, if Bill McGarry had bought this player or whatever, it's all speculative. But uh, you know, I'm proud. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of the time I, you know, I was at Wolves, and all the players that I know are, and players of, of more recent generations. They're exactly the same because they're part of a historic club. And, you know, we're all the same. We want them to be successful. We want them to move forward. And I think what we've got now as a, as a, as a club is, is very promising. You know, there's lots of potential there. And that's what, you know, that's what we want as fans, which is what we are now. We want that team to sort of go on and go forward because it, it enhances us at the same time. Because um, when we had Kenny Hibbert in, mm. he was saying that one of the things that he never realised until he did his book was just what fans thought of him and what people thought of him. And I, I guess cause, maybe because he moved away, he wasn't around yeah. it as much. Uh, did you get Kenny to stop talking, did you? <laughs> <Very well. laughs> did you get a question in I, I, with, I, with Kenny? But, I, but Kenny, you know, and I think possibly because he did move away, um, he was, you know, because he, he was went into management, and then he sort of settled down further south, which is unusual for a Yorkshire lad. But uh, no, I, I, I get it all. I feel it all the time, because I'm out and I see people, and you know, as I said, that you know, it, uh, there's nothing better, you know, because people people said to you get fed up with people talking to you about football, <laughs> and you don't, you don't, and because you, you know you. You're really humbled by the fact that they remember you, want to talk about you. Um, they want to talk about the team now, which is great, you know. So, but they, it's nice to be remembered. And uh, I'm surprised at Kenny, because Kenny is obviously one of the the great players of that that sort of generation. And uh, you know, he knows full well since he's been coming back more regularly of the uh, the sort of the way he's is thought of by supporters. Um, and people in the town, even if they're not supporters, people still talk to you because they think you're connected with this great football club. 
Yeah, like you say, there's a great energy. You're you're very humble, very appreciative. You've you've talked about maybe this or that. If that had happened, do you have any any regrets about about a certain time or a moment? Yes, uh, and it's the only one regret I had, and uh, it was when I joined in '69. The team then was just developing, and we'd got uh, Peter Knowles, and Peter. Um, I think it was in the September or the October after I joined, that was when he, he stopped playing. Um, and you ask any of the players of that of that team, which which won the League Cup in 74, got to the UEFA Cup final, people like Frank Monroe, great centre-half, you know. You know, one of the best players I've, I've played with. You know, you speak to uh, Wagstaff, Mike Bailey, the captain at the time, and they all said Peter was a, a special a special talent, you know, and I didn't play with him. I never had the opportunity to play with him in the team. And you, you wonder if Peter had stayed on playing because he was in England under twenty three international at the time. If he'd have stayed on with that team that was just coming through, so yeah. with myself, with Waggy, with Duke, Mike Bailey, Kenny Hibbit, you throw Peter Knowles into that mix, and that you know could that have made the difference yeah. you, you know you don't know but you know from a regret point of view from a playing side that's really the one thing I'm, I would have liked to have had the opportunity to, to do is to play alongside Peter see my boss would love us to try and get Peter Knowles on the old goal club but I don't think he ever would do it for those who don't mm. know that story yes well well, Peter became a Jehovah's Witness and he felt that um, playing foot- football wasn't compatible with his beliefs so he, he 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 stopped and just left the game altogether. Now, as a club, and in those days, you know, clubs could hold your registration. There was no freedom of uh, of movement. The club retained his registration each season for about the next seven or eight seasons, just in case they were worried that he might move on to another club if they, if they didn't sort of renew his uh, his registration. But you know, you've got to give Peter a lot of credit. You know, he's stuck to his beliefs and uh, he's had a wonderful life. You speak to him and he's, he wouldn't change a thing. Um, he might come on if you ask him nicely, Mikey, because he's, he's, he's really a very special person. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, you, and you look at the talent that he had and you think, well, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to sort of... Is that how give to a- accept, John? About talking about him, that he's like he says he's had a wonderful life. He's got no regrets, but you see the talent that he had, and he's sixty-one goals and he made that decision. Appearances. It's the game that we all love, isn't it? We still talk about you can. It takes a lot of courage to actually do that because he know he knew how good he was. You know, people talk about it the number of times that you speak to the 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 players that generation. Say, one of the matches he took the ball into the corner flag, and sat on it. You know, and he was goading the defenders and think. He was ahead of his his time, really, and you think, oh, how cocky must you be to do that? <laughs> yeah. You know, with the defenders who are about, like Chopper yeah. Harris, yeah. woof, up you go up into into the uh, into the stands. But he just didn't regret it at all. When you speak to him, you know, and you look into his eyes, and he goes, "No, I'm happy with my decision, John. I'm happy with my life." And who are we to exactly question that? Yeah. Well, we'll leave it with you, John. If okay, you, oh, you want me to have a word with him? Want to see him? Get get Peter yeah. Knowles okay. on the old golf club. I'm sure. I'm sure. It'd be <laughs> wonderful man. Fascinating wonderful to man. hear from yeah. him. Yeah. Um, we have got so much that we are going to talk to you about. Um, loads of different elements because 
you know, the, there are very few players, although more often from your era that stayed for such a long time yes. as you did and cross over between the different generations. So we're going to get into a lot of that um, on our Facebook show. And we also have a few messages okay. for you from uh, from different fans who wanted to say hello as well. So we'll get to that. Hopefully nobody have, have upset. <laughs> we'll wait and see. I, we? I doubt highly that there is anybody that you've upset, John. Um, and we're also going to talk because you had um, different spells mm. at the football club. There That's was right. John Richards, the footballer, and John Richards, the director. The director. That's right. And the managing director. Yeah. So there were three different Which, spells. Which, as I've been trying to educate Looms, came at a quite interesting period mm. in Sir Jack's time. That's right. Yeah. There was a lot going on <laughs> in the club. So. Uh, We've had Don Goodman on this programme. We've talked about some of the elements from it and the famous quote, there's a big smile that's just come on John's face from within that. So we will get to that. Don't you worry, my friend. So what did he say? Well, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, will yeah. find out. Yeah, we've got a lot of time for Don. Yeah. Um, as ever, if there's anything that you would like us to discuss on this part of the podcast, you can email us, oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk. We are at Wolves across social media. And if you're on social media, if you're on Twitter especially, then why not give a follow to our sponsors, Wolverhampton Building Supplies. They are at WV Build Supplies on Twitter. The show is coming next. Wolverhampton Builder Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk Then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows alongside me as ever, Chris Owellamo. And our guest this week spent 14 years at Molyneux, making 487 appearances, putting him ninth on the all-time list. He also scored 194 goals, second on the all-time goal-scoring list. Welcome to the club, the king, Thank John Richards. I probably probably only 193. I, I did claim one that actually went off a defender. So <laughs> I own I own up now. So yeah, <laughs> we are privileged to have royalty. That's very kind of building. you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, although I am local, so it's not really as if we go a, a long way away anyway. But it's uh, it's always nice to come back to Molyneux and uh, have my chat. Usual chat with Graham. In reception and Graham uh, Hughes, yeah, Graham Hughes. As probably all the Wolves fans will know anyway. So uh, it's always nice to catch up with Graham. Um, it, it's fascinating to kind of have you in, and there's loads that we're going to talk mm. about. Um, I, I do want to mention the King thing, King John. I don't know how that arose. Really, I think it was it was probably one of the, the newspapers, um, whether it was the Express and Star in those days, and uh, Phil Morgan, who was the uh, who was the reporter, or whether it ju- it was just something that came from the fans? Were you aware of it at the time? <sighs> Not really. It, it it just happened, you know. And 
you never went round and saw the same people saying oh, King John. I don't know what I don't know how it came about. To be perfectly honest, in fact, I might have to do a little bit of investigation myself to find out when it actually started. Um, I think it was just they they look for handles to fit to, to players, don't don't they? You know, and it, obviously John, there was a King John. So is it weird though? Because uh, we were, I put this to Looms earlier. I said, you know, did fans have names for you? And he was like, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he thought I meant rude names. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I thought meeting, yeah, getting a little bit a little bit of stick from the fans. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, nothing is nothing like King John, which I've got to say is a fantastic handle. It's, it's quite grand, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So you just think, no, not really. I Majestic. I, yeah, I don't make the children call me that or something like that. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the grandsons, especially the ten-year-old, he's a bit cocky, Oscar. So I just just remind him every now and again because he thinks he's better than me, but. He probably will be soon. Looms, <laughs> <laughs> you did have a name. That I just—I was trying to remember. I think yeah, because I, the, I had the the locks, didn't I? The, I got called Predator. I don't know if it was about the, the face. I don't know if that was somewhere as well. Right uh, after uh, the, yeah, yeah. But, but Predator for a striker is quite good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, it's I a good, it's a good it. name. I didn't mind, yeah, didn't yeah, mind yeah. it at all. Yeah, but it's not quite king. It's definitely not king. It's definitely, I would like king. I'd have, been, I'd have enjoyed that. Because uh, when we put on social media that you were coming on. All, so many responses that we'll get to I, I in a little did, while, did, but a lot yeah. of them are just the king. Yeah, it's it's, it's lovely. It's, it's it's a nice uh, privilege, and it's nice that people still remember me like that. And it's uh, you know, it's it. I don't find it embarrassing because I don't see it as a as a sort of anything other than you know, I was part of a good team at the time. You know, you had Dugan and Wagstaff and Mike Bailey and Kenny Hibbert, and it was just sort of I was one of that successful team and they just King John because I don't think you you could call a you can't have a King Chris anyway <laughs> just Roger. there's no there's, there's no there's, there's, I don't think in history we've had a King Christopher <laughs> so it, it just doesn't work unless you change your name to something like James or something like you could be a King James <laughs> <laughs> there's an element of modesty there isn't it because you notice when he just dropped in like oh we had a good team Oh, they're a very good team. I tell you, it's it's one of those. I think you, you can undersell yourself. You know, the you scored goals, important goals. Mm. Uh, it's the hardest thing to do in football, John. Yeah, you know, and it's like you say, yeah, it's, it's everyone is as good as the team around them. That's right. Yeah, but there's pressure, there's expectation on you to deliver, and you did. I did at times. There were times when I didn't, and there was times I was dropped from the team. Um, Bill McGarry early on, so it was in that early seventies. And I was just going through a bad spell, and then I was I was dropped, and then I was actually made substitute for an FA Cup game down here. And Waggy got injured in in about the first ten fifteen minutes, and I went on and scored a hat trick, and we, and, we, and we won. And then I was back. So it, it was one of those things, and all players go through it. Chris, you, you've done it yourself. You know, you have a good, you know, really good spells, and things just happen. And then there's other ones when you can't. You're still working as hard. You're still doing what you think you're, you're supposed to be doing to get into the positions, but it just doesn't happen. But we, we were fortunate because we had players who would, you know, were regular scorers, you know, other than myself. You know, we had um, four or five players who were regularly getting into double figures in the first division. Now that takes some doing. Uh, so it wasn't all on me to score the goals, so I didn't feel any pressure from that point of view. The, you, you got brought into the club February, <clears throat> obviously made your debut uh, for the club February uh, oh, West yeah. Bromwich Albion against Albion 3-3. The first goal came in September, 
Yes. You know, so in that period, you know, you, was there a frustration? That, that first goal, it's always the hardest one to get, they say. Yeah, well, um, I didn't expect to play that early because I'd only joined the club in the June, uh, July, and I was uh, 18 years old and then 19 in November. And it was a case of um, I'd done well in the reserves. And in those days, if, if your first-team striker got injured or your first-team right-back, your reserve-team right-back came in or your reserve-team centre-forward. Yeah. And I, I, I was then sort of consolidating his position as the uh, reserve team striker and Dugan got injured so I was then during the week I was told on the Friday that you're going to make your debut tomorrow at West Bromwich Albion and you think I didn't know what what to expect anyway because I'd come from Warrington West Brom to me was I didn't even know where it was that it was a local derby it just didn't have any significance from my point of view so whilst a lot of people say oh, fancy playing at the Hawthorns in front of 50,000 <laughs> they must have hated you they must have yeah. but I went I think if John Kay I think he kicked me in the first five or ten minutes I thought oh this is hard <laughs> so I just kept running and I thought well if I kept running he's not going to catch me and so it was uh, so that's how I made it, the sort of got into the team but I only played four games then, Chris. You know, I was because Dugan was injured, yeah. and obviously he's the first team. So, yeah, yeah, he's the first selection. So he he then got fit. I went back into the reserves, and I, I didn't have the opportunity again to play um, during that season. Well, on that then, those those four games. What what did you take from that? As I say, going back into the reserves, you must have then, you know, got confidence. You knew what what it was all about. You, yeah, you you knew it was hard, but you knew what it took as well, and you you got in there. Yeah, it 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 was it was slightly different to the reserves. The reserve was tough as a young lad, you, you know, because you're playing against experienced players, young players. Yeah. Usually, experienced players coming back from injury and trying to get back into the team. So it was it was a good grounding. I had a, a, virtually a full season in the reserves, and that was good. Those matches themselves, I just I was disappointed. I, I just felt. I hadn't done enough, and not that I let myself down. I just felt that um, I could have done better, you know, to sort of try and keep my place. Mm-hmm. So whilst I didn't then have the opportunity um, till later on, you know, actually the start of the next season, it was it was a case of well, you got a taste of it, you know, you, you just want a bit more, and yeah. then it, uh, the pre-season is always important, or it used to be in those days in Wolves, you know, it was always hard, and I was quite. Fortunate. I was. I, I was. I was a natural. I could run. You know. I was good. I was quite quick, and so, you know, you you push yourself into that position. So suddenly, um, I think Wolves had bought Bobby Gold as well. So we got Dugan, Huey Curran at the time, Bobby Gold, and they were. In, you know, they were in front of me. Um, but you know, I was scoring goals in the reserves quite regularly. So I then got that opportunity and I think as you said you know, I got before the scale goal against was it Huddersfield I think That's it really was yeah. left footer of all things <laughs> never and I can vividly corner from here Jim McAlliog far side left footer back across the goalkeeper and that was it and then I think it was in the November I think I played against Derby and it was um, and that was when they got Roy McFarlane, Colin Todd, good team, great, you know, and it was a great match here, and we won two one, and I scored both goals, and that was, that was then me in, as as you know the first team striker, and I think, you know, quite, 
quick really you know from leaving school probably 15 months yeah. 16 months previously that you suddenly you know playing regular first team football yeah. at Wolves you know which was you know one of the biggest names in the country because actually that's a good point to bring this up kind of why Wolves because it wasn't like you were a local lad no not at all um it was a case of nobody had approached me till I was 18 I was playing for Lancashire Grammar School boys team we then had a tournament down at uh, Bognor Regis we stopped in the uh, holiday camp there where all the county teams met in the Easter of 1968 and I was playing for the Lancashire and then got picked for England uh, grammar school boys team and we played against uh, one of the, there was somebody with the Staffordshire um, county team uh, Tony Penman and he came to me and he just said oh you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a scout for Wolves you know, are you, are you connected with any team? I said, no. He said, would you like to come down for a trial? And then, after the... Um, I said, yeah. But then, two or three other clubs came in. Sheffield, uh, Wednesday, Derby County. Um, but because um, Wolves have been the first, I honoured the agreement to, to come and have a trial match here. And funny enough, I was just been talking to Graham about it because we're talking about somebody called Dougie Woodfield who goes back to the, the, the 60s. Dougie Woodfield played in in the match. My first, my trial match really was the last game of the 1968-69 season here at Molyneux against Derby County. Played up front with Jimmy Seal. We we won 4-1. Jimmy's got three and Dougie Woodfield got the other. And then I was in the dressing room after the match and this this old elderly, elderly I say, he was, he's probably about 20 years younger than I am now, uh, <laughs> but he was an elderly gentleman, came up to me, he says, well done son, he said, you played really well, how would you like to sign for Wolves? I said, yeah I would, and that's very kind of you, he said, well I'll sort it out for you, and he went out and I said to Jimmy Seal, because we'd change your mind, I said, who was that? He says, that was the chairman, John Ireland, and he sorted it out and I signed a year's contract with Wolves. So that's why I came to Wolves. It was just the fact that they happened to be the first club to approach me at a particular time. Kiss it. it was a long way from Warrington. To, in those days, to Wolves, my mum thought, because I was the eldest of five boys, she thought, oh, losing an eldest son, going all that way. Because I say, when we had Kenny Hibbert in, he said that when he very nearly got off the train, pretty mm. much at every stop on his way down from Yorkshire, nervous about coming to what was a grand oh, yeah. football club at the yeah. time. It's the bright lights, Wolverhampton was, compared to Warrington. You know, it's all the big city and nightclubs and things like that to distract you. <laughs> Actually, I remember, because we were in digs with Barry Powell, Barry who, who, who was played at Coventry, played at Wolves for a while, you know, in the League Cup as well. And, coming, and um, I can remember we used to come here on the bus from um, Bradmore by Bantock Park. And there was... I only ever had one ambition. I can remember getting off the bus and walking down and thinking, oh, those people th- look at me and see, I think, oh, he must be with Wolves. He's a professional footballer. Uh, I just wanted to play on that pitch once and I would have been happy with that. You know, because I was only signed for a year anyway and that was my initial ambition, to play on that pitch once and I would have been... I'd have gone away and been really happy. You know, obviously, when you come down and you've you've, you've got you, you say that you honour the trial. Yes. What What's your thoughts on wolves as you as you as you're coming? Like, what was your your viewpoint on wolves then before you came down for the trial? I remember seeing on 
match of the day or whatever it was called in those days, a match where this gangly centre-forward called Dugan scored a goal against Hull City. And it, it, was, it, it flicked it up from behind him and then volleyed it in. And it was, it was, mar- it was magical. In front of the, you know, the Molyneux heroes, and he went berserk. And I remember that as I was coming to here, because I was picked up by Joe Gardner and brought them to it. And then when, years later, when you, when you get to know Dugan, you think, how oh, the bloody hell did he do that? <laughs> he hasn't got the skill to do that. It must have been so lucky, it must have bounced off his ankle, up in the air, and he's going, Eddie, knock it in. But, it, that's what I remembered from it because I'd seen him on the television not <laughs> yeah. long previously, Chris, and I'm thinking, God, they're a, they're a big club. Plus, obviously, I, when I was 10, 11 and playing football in the, in the playground, Wolves had won the FA Cup in, in 1960. So, it, you know, it sticks yeah. in your mind. Yeah. And my best pal at the time, his dad was a Wolves supporter, even in Warrington. So yeah. we knew about Wolves. Yeah. Okay, so- you know, seventy one, seventy two. Mm-hmm. Your kind of real breakthrough year to prominence. Yes, amongst yeah. the team, the run to the UEFA Cup final. Correct. It's it's you and the Duke. Yeah. Suddenly you're together. Yeah. And people talk about that, and they, they think, oh, you know, we weren't together for that long. We were probably there together for two and a half seasons, but because of the the number of goals that we scored, you know, we we were scoring. Uh, between fifty and sixty between us, in in those three those three seasons, um, and it just clicked. It was one of those things. So that's why people dwell on that. But you say, well, well, I think I played with Andy Gray longer than I did with uh, with Derek Dugan, but it just so happened that it was a successful period. We were scoring goals left, right, and centre. If I wasn't scoring, I was scoring. Kenny Hibbert was scoring. People like that. So it was. It was a time when we had we were playing sixty matches a season in the, in, in seventy two and again in seventy three because we lost in the FA Cup semi final and the League Cup semi final in seventy three and you know it, it's, it was in the days when your squad was fourteen fifteen sixteen players you know you played the same team every every week or midweek if those players were fit so. You know, you, you you talk about the number of games that we played, and a lot of players played a lot of games from that generation. It's because we were playing 50, 60 games a season. Yeah, but he scored thirty-six goals in that season, seventy-two, seventy-three. So thirty-six <coughs> goals. This I've got to say, you know, consistently hitting the back of the net. Mm. Your, your, the performances itself, it was you weren't just a goal scorer, all-round player as well. Mm. You get the obviously the acknowledgement for your country. Mm, that's right. One yes, capture, yeah, yeah. one capture. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, because the way you were, the football you were playing, scoring goals. Yeah, that's that is that's a, that's that's that international quality. Why only one cap? I don't think I did myself any justice when I played. I was played. Um, I played against uh, Northern Ireland, Ireland yeah. at uh, Goodison, because we weren't allowed to play in um, Belfast because of the the troubles. So it was it was it was a home international. It was their home game. But he played at Goodison, yeah. and I came in because um, Alan Clark got injured. Uh, I was in the squad to go on a, on a tour, which was a, which included the World Cup game against Poland. In, at that time, it was 1973, um, and so I, I, I was just brought in during the week. You know, quite 
sort of suddenly because Alan got injured and I played up front with Chivers and uh, Mickey Shannon on the right and I ended up playing on the left which you know a lot of fans say oh he played as a left winger now Sir Alf wanted me to play wide on the left um, and you try and play as he, as he asked you to play you know he's the manager you know you, you don't sort of just do your own thing you know I, I was what, 22 years old you know you don't sort of say well son that I'm going to go up front and interfere with Martin Chivers get him, get him out of the way so I can score so and I don't think I did myself justice playing in that position but then because of um, Alan um, then got fit you know that was that was the front three basically so I didn't really get a chance on that tour but you know when I look back um, I was disappointed in myself for not you know for not taking you know having a bit more courage and saying you know taking the ball by the horns and, and going you know doing a bit more but I also look back and think well at the time there was myself there was Kevin Keegan Keegan um, Malcolm McDonald Frank Worthington there were probably about nine or ten English strikers who were actually trying to get into the in, into the England squad so it, it was it was it was difficult anyway I think we were we were fortunate as a country that we got a lot of yeah. top strikers at the time which limited my sort of opportunities so you know you, you mentioned you know about regrets probably that is a, a slight disappointment I have in myself in not sort of uh, uh, taking a bit more of the initiative in that match yeah. but but at the time you're new to the squad you're young you think you're going to get another opportunity yeah. but it, it yeah. never happened because that's the thing if it if it was in this day and age mm. And the consistency that you showed, because you were top scorer for like six years in a row. I think I worked it out. You were top scorer for eight of your 14 seasons that you had at the football club. In this day and age, probably the one I could liken it to is like a Jamie Vardy type scenario where the media would be saying, you have to be in the squad. How can you not be getting England caps when you've got that level of consistency? Because when we look at goals, we were talking about it before you came in, that the only person above you in the Wolves scoring charts is Bully. And Bully got 306 goals and taking nothing away from Bully, but a lot of his goals were at a lower level. Mm. Yours consistently at the very top level of English football. Yeah, but as I was saying, you know, there's loads of other strikers. Most clubs, most clubs in that that generation had a mix of. uh, It was you looked at them, and it was usually the same. They all played the same. Two strikers at front, one play, one playing off a a bigger bloke, and we'd probably got about seven, eight, nine of those strikers who were English. You know, it was it. it, it, There was a lot of competition. and you know it's. I wasn't disappointed. I was pleased. Um, I've got other caps as well, under twenty threes, and then B internationals. But you know, I've got one, so I'm. I'm, I'm content with it. Probably not quite. You know, you know there's, a, there's a lot of I guess players around the world at the top level that that like you say they're they're known for scoring their goals, but mm. they don't. They don't score goals against, like you say, the, the, the rivals or the big games. You were a big game player mm, as well. Mm, you mm, delivered on mm, those occasions. Mm, mm, you know, you, you, we you, used you to thrive on them. We used to yeah, love them. Yeah, that's what I'm them. saying, but I'm, talk, I'm, talk, I'm talking about you. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. they and we. Yeah. You, you delivered. You scored their goals. And it's. I know you're very modest, but yeah. But I get I get the benefit now, you know, which, which is what we were talking about. You know, why do people 
talk about, you know, when you go into anywhere, they'll come and talk to you about wars, they'll come and talk to you about your, your playing days, you know, and, it, and it, it's wonderful. It really is a privilege for, for people to come and talk to you. And I know what you're saying, and they say, well, how do you score the goals? You, you know anyway, you, you know, most strikers are, are natural. You know, you can either score or you can't score. You know, you can't explain, mm. in a lot of cases, how you've scored a goal. Because you naturally move into that position or whatever, or instinct, you, you just sense where the ball's going to drop or where the, um, the ball's going to be delivered. You know, you actually, you just know. And you, you can't teach people how to do that, how to naturally score goals. You either, I believe you, you either can or you can't. You know, it's like these, you, know, you watch your hazards and people like that now. They're just natural, you know, mm-hmm. you can't. You can't pick a kid up at seven, eight, and nine and train them to be a hazard. It doesn't happen. They're either naturally gifted and they've got that skill in them, and I think that's what I had. I was like bully, natural goal scorer. You know, you, you can't teach. You know, you can't teach somebody else to be a bully because you just can't do it. Well, you mentioned bully. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about this because you broke Billy Hartle's. Yeah, scoring record. Billy played uh, from 1928 to 1935, so it had been quite a while before you came on the scene and broke that record. You set a total of 194, 193, if you want to claim one that didn't quite go in off you. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a big, big number. You're probably mm. thinking, you know, the last previous record lasted for a long time, many decades, and then all of a sudden along comes Steve Ball and goes, "Whoa, miles past." Yeah, flew past, didn't he? He deserved it, you know. He, he, bully again, you know. He, he made a big difference to the uh, to the club. You know, the club was going through a bad time. It was down in the uh, the fourth division. You know, suddenly you get uh, someone who gives it a bit of a bit of life again. And as I said to you, you know, it's what fans love more than anything. They like they like their heroes. They like the, you know. They don't replace them, as I said, one with another. They like a new one, and Bully was the new hero, and he delivered. You know, you, you, all credit to him. The fact that he's, you know, is overtaking my goal-scoring rec- record is is neither here nor there, because that record that I scored, as we as we're proving now, isn't forgotten. You know, my achievements aren't diminished by Bully's achievements. Far from it. You know, it's actually. As a, the older I get, the people forget the bad games I had, and that, I think that's fantastic because I've never had a bad game now. <laughs> you know, you speak to the fans; all they talk about, I remember that goal against Liverpool. I can remember that goal against that. They don't say, "How did you miss that one against?" You know, you missed that penalty at uh, Ipswich, I think it was. But it's, uh, you know, the bully thing is, you know, you're now saying, "Will anyone ever beat bullies?" They might. I don't think anyone's ever going to get close to yours, to be honest. No, because I think the generation of footballers now, it, it, they don't tend not to stay at a club as long. And I, and I think that's the way going forward, and fans have to accept that. I think, you know, I think the game accepts that now. John, you said that, uh, that all, all strikers go through dry spells. Mm. You were very prolific, you know, like you say, eight, 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 eight yeah. years out of the yeah. 14, you were top. When you went through those spells, what, what is it you did 
Did you just know that it would just come again? What? Because I'm you, 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 you're staying longer on the training pitch. You're you're doing extra this, extra that. What what is it you did when when those dry if they, if those dry spells ever came? To be fair, no, they did. And, and I think as you know, I, I was left out of the team, and that was when I was in the in the earlier days. You know, it wasn't sort of it was when in the McGarry's. So it wasn't when I was older and was getting a bit slower yeah. or after injuries. This was when I was. Peak fitness in I was probably about 20, 23, 24 and uh, I don't know it, it it just didn't happen on the pitch and I think all I all you all I did was just keep carrying carrying on with the same routine with the training. Sammy Chung used to take um, four or five of us, you know, religiously every Tuesday afternoon and Thursday afternoon we'd we'd go back we'd we'd go across the road to the West Park. Um, all all we would do, there'd be Kenny, um, one of the other midfielders, and they'd just hit balls up to me to control and turn. So that's what we practised for about an hour on a Tuesday and Thursday, control, turn, you know, as, as, you, as yeah. you're receiving the ball and shooting. So we just practised and practised, and then you know, eventually it, it clicked. Yeah. You know, you just, you, just, you just need a lucky sort of opportunity. And mine was when I had that spell where I was out... I got injured. No, I didn't get injured. It was um, FA Cup game here at Molyneux. I was on the bench, and fans were surprised that I'd been dropped. But I wasn't surprised because I hadn't been scoring. Waggy got injured. I came on, and I can remember the uh, the first goal. It was down at the North Bank end, and the defender went to clear it, and I just put my foot out and blocked it, and it just dropped. So I'd done the tackle, dropped, and I side footed it. And it went into the far corner, and that was it. And then scored another two goals. And then from then on, it was. You can't. And sometimes, Chris, as you know, you, there's no rhyme or reason. You, yeah. you can't explain to people why your fortunes suddenly change. And it's. Uh, and it goes back to the thing that I'm saying. You know, it will come back because you know, with a lot of a lot of the plays, it's a natural thing, and all they need is a little bit of the ball to run firm, yeah. and it, it, you're back to how it used to be. Um, we are going to go through what we call the rundown and on the podcast, and also um, talk about your the second coming of King John, the director. John right, Richards okay. On the podcast. Second coming, yeah. I just yeah. want to finish on our Facebook show. Um, Obviously, you are synonymous with scoring the winning goal in the League Cup final. Yeah, yeah. But as you mentioned, you were also part of the 80 team. Yeah. Which was your favourite? Can you choose? Yes. <laughs> okay. Straight in. Which one? The 74 team. I thought the that early 70 team was um, probably the best team I played in. Um, didn't achieve as much as it, it should have done. I thought it was a team... Uh, especially 71, 72, 73, where we should have won more. I know we got to the UEFA Cup final, but we lost in two semi-finals in 73. And we should have been, well, we weren't contending for the league, but I, I, I felt that team should have won the league or had the uh, potential to win the league and to win more than they did. Because um, you, know, you look at some the results that we had and the teams that were winning the league at the time, your Liverpool, your Leeds, um, we were beating them. We were beating them, and but we didn't have the consistency during the season to uh, to put us in with the chance of winning the uh, the first division. Um, but we had the players. There's no doubt about it. 
the the 80s team was um what i considered to be a blend of uh, you know things worked out well for us sometimes did we we got a nice blend of uh, younger players but a lot of experienced players and and it was a limited team with regards to how it was going to go forward you know you got all the players like myself kenny um Emeline hughes mm. along with uh, younger players like uh, george berry Mel Eves, you know, it was um, it was it was a team that was of that time, and it everything went well with us. And you know, we had a little bit of fortune in the final as well with Peter Shilton and David Needham clashing, uh, which meant that the ball just rolled towards the goal. And yeah, that's the quickest quickest I've seen Andy move. You know, <laughs> he only just got to it before it went over the line. It would have been an own goal, so he claimed it. So oh, typical Andy. But uh, yeah, so that's my assessment of, of of the two teams. Yeah, but a good team nonetheless. The eighties team. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to WolverhamptonBuildingSupplies.co.uk. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Uh, the lads are going to sort uh, the king out another drink, a hot drink this time. Uh, we gave him a lukewarm tea. I gave him a lukewarm tea beforehand. I can't believe <laughs> it. So can you imagine what it's like now, Chris? <laughs> my, my dad <laughs> will be furious with me. Yeah, yeah, He'll yeah. be furious with me that I've disrespected the king. <laughs> lukewarm cup of tea. But... Um, before we get on to um, you as managing director, there was a, a couple of things that I kind of noted down while we were talking that I wanted to revisit. One of which is Bill McGarry. Because yeah. um, when we had... Kenny, Kenny, in. Yeah. Kenny right. said that he didn't necessarily like Bill McGarry, but he respected him. Yeah, nobody liked him. See, that really surprises me. Mm. What was it about him? Uh, about that time? He was a hard taskmaster, which was good for his youngsters in particular. You know, he was very strong on, on the discipline. I think he, 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 lost, he lost respect. Um, and it was more to do with his personal life and than anything else. He, he used to, you know, he really used to come down hard on the, on the players with how they l- behaved and led their lives, you know, outside of outside of being at the club. And then, you know, lo and behold, he's you know, he's doing what he's telling the players they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You know, and that gets round. You know, it's, it's Wolverhampton's a small area, so suddenly, from a player's point of view, you think, well, practice what you preach. You know, you can't be sort of. You know, telling us how to live our lives, then you going away and, and not living, you know, yeah, the, no. what, what you're trying to tell us to do. So it was a case of you lost the respect from the players, but he wasn't like because you know he wasn't a very nice man. He, he used to sort of shout at people. He used to sort of it was it was old fashioned. It was an old fashioned management style where you you know it was almost like like bullying. Yeah, and if you didn't have the um, like the sort of character to be able to to deal with him, it could you know it, it would actually knock people, knock knock players' confidence. But even back then, John, when when the character of players could never be questioned because you know what the, the games changed so much, yeah. the players have changed today. That's right, yeah. You know, but you look back at it and you think, like you say, some of the challenges that are going around the leaders. Yeah. You know, Kenny spoke about it going out on the pitch, and you're looking around, you're thinking. You've got eight, nine leaders there on the pitch. That's right, yeah. yeah. Even in that, it's like 
Bill McGarry, you, you can look at it. He can, he can should surely manage whatever way he wants. Those players knew exactly what they needed to do anyway. Yeah, and not be threatened by. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you, you perhaps it was, it was the age. You know, because Kenny's the same age as me. You know, the older players. You know, the Dugans. The, yeah. the Dugans were, you know, just could cope with it. Yeah. You know, that they've had the experience. They've been here, there, and everywhere. You're Mike Bailey's the captain. You know, when when, you, when you're sort of coming into the team, you know, you're twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. You know, it's it's like a it's a respect for the position that you you know you, you actually look up to it. You know, and you, it's like you're doing you're doing as you're told. Yeah. He's the boss. Yeah. But you know, he would really um, you know it, it wasn't of the time, and he wasn't of the the management style where. You take a player to one side and say, it would be a case of embarrassing that player, laying into in front of in front of the other players, younger players, you know, out on the training pitch, you know, it 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 just wouldn't, you know, understand. And for a lot of players, you know, it would knock them back, and really, you know. I think, from my point of view, it was a case of, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I had that sort of relationship with him anyway, um, because I was straight away into the reserves. It was when I came into the first team. It was um, didn't really expect to be in there for a long time, um, and then it was a case of well, I was I was settling down in here. Getting engaged, getting married, and and that was sort of was more of my focus rather than what Bill McGarry did because yeah. um, and again you know it, it, it's all everybody's different it it didn't because I was playing well yeah. I didn't I I didn't get it I was one of the you know it 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 was the ones who were just on the fringe not playing well you know somebody has a bad game. I know we all have bad games, but you know I was actually sort of up and coming, so I didn't get the sort of the worst treatment, you know. But but the the other players did. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. And, and it's not you know it's not it's a bullying, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what it, it is, is. Yeah. It, it, and it's bullying, and you know, um, you know, players were frightened, you know, especially the younger players. They were frightened of him, you know, and that's not a good atmosphere to him having any sort of business where. You know, it's a fear factor. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's going to go wrong sooner or later. He was fortunate to have somebody like Sammy Chung. Sammy was like the the good cop, and Sammy really was the one who tried to keep the younger players more protected. The older players could could, could sort themselves out, um, but you know, the younger players players they were the ones. But there's only so many he can yeah. he, he, he can look after. But it was. Strange type. He was a good man. He was a good ta- tactician. He was very good at strategic play. You know, he, he could see things, so he could change. You know, he, he could change things, and he, he, he changed things with me because um, when I was the king's team thank, arrived. Thank you very much. <laughs> when I was um, first got into the team, I was playing inside right, right, just playing off Duke on the right hand side because we got Waggy on the left. And then it, it, it was during a, a training routine after about three or four months. He said, play on the left, John. So switch me and Derek. And actually, 
it, it then worked because the ball was coming from from Waggy over to, to Doug, and I was obviously spinning, running, and because I was coming from that direction, the odds are I was going to get the ball on my right foot, get stronger, and Derek was a left footer, so if the ball went that way, he'd spin that way, and I'd go that way. You see, yeah. so whereas if it had been coming from that way, you know, I'd have been more likely to get the ball on my on my left foot, and it was just a simple thing like that, and it and it worked. Um, so the flick-ons that I was running through and just yeah. knocking them in with the right foot. But totally. it was, so it, it, got, it got something about him, and it, yeah. it, it, it got to have because, you know, that, you know, that's regarded as the second-best team yeah. Wolves have ever had. And he got, he got us to the UEFA Cup final, beating Juventus and people like that. So tactically, he was, he was very astute. Yeah. Uh, but as, as a person, he was a horrible man. Yeah. Um, talking of the Duke... Uh, the, he is when you look at photos of Derek Dugan he's kind of like one of the most 70s men you can see like big with moustache with style or style yeah. big moustache big sideburns like great lad my, there was a photo I found in kind of archives of my uncle who like I think had modelled himself on Derek Dugan <laughs> like in the 70s like, I call him 70s man uh, looking at kind of photos of you you had like a bit of a Beatles hairstyle a little bit, maybe. A little bit of sideburns, yeah, but yeah, 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 well, swept across. Yeah. You said um, when you came down, it was the bright lights of Wolverhampton yeah. and nightclubs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, the Lafayette. That was it, the Lafayette. That was the, oh, the bee's knees. That's where every... We even actually we, we were allowed to jump the queue, the queue as, 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 as footballers, and you think, those people in the queue must have hated us. You know, <laughs> the, the queuing in the pouring rain, you know, at, at 11 o'clock at night, and then these... Perhaps these footballers sort of the bouncers come in, John, come in, Kenny, come in, lads. So it was uh, that's where it all happened. That's where I met my future wife at the Lafayette. So we never had anything like that in, in Warrington. <laughs> um, you, as I say, you are synonymous as a footballer, as King John, striker of scorer of all those goals, but you also had a second period at the club. Mm. where you came back in the 90s as yes. first director and then managing director. Correct, yes. What was that? What was well, that, that, that just happened. Um, the directorship was um, lovely. It was a lovely compliment. It was Sir Jack invited me because Billy Wright had died and Billy was a, a director of the club um, and Sir Jack liked to keep the... Uh, the link with it with it with the players and former players and so he, he you know generously asked me if I'd like to be a director of the club which was which was great you know it, it was it was a lovely honor to have and then you know it meant you know I was more connected with the club um got to you know see the players and got to got matches and it, it it was a great time uh but then because of the way the club was developing so Jack felt there was a need to bring in a managing director, somebody to run the club on his behalf on a day-to-day basis, because he was spending obviously a lot of time away from the club, um, and I was part of the interview panel that was um, speaking to several candidates. We did, we, inter- we did about four or five candidates, you know, which had been put put to us by uh, headhunters. We you get these sort of professional. Um, recruitment agencies to, to to have a look round to see who they felt was suitable. So we did about five interviews, 
and so Jack wasn't happy with any of them, you know, and he, he, he just he just he just didn't think they had the feel yeah. for the club as he has the feel for the club. But you know, it was always going to be difficult anyway, because you know, Sir Jack's loved the club and he was so well liked by the fans. And after the the, the last one, we're sitting there and we. He says, why don't you do it? He said, I said, well, why don't you do it? He says, because we've been asking all the questions, doing all the interviews. He says, you know, I think you should be able to do it, John. And I said, well, let me have a think about it. Um, and I thought, you know, spoke to my wife and thought about it. Obviously didn't, I'd, I'd been involved as a director. Yeah. yeah. And then I thought, well, I'd regret it if I didn't. Did you know what you were taking on, though? No. No. No fear? No. It, it, it's, it's an opportunity. You, you see, um, it, it was not my club. It, it was a club that I, I loved and yeah. was been connected or involved with yeah. on and off for the best part of four, 30, 40 years. Um, so it was a case of, why not? You know, I was I was quite happy to to learn on the job, so to speak, um, and it was it, it was great. It was a great opportunity. Um, there were lots of things that you know you suddenly find when you go into any new role that it's it's there's more to it than meets the eye. You know, it's not just a case of um, you know we seen we we seen as a business as what happens out there, but there's as much that goes on off that pitch, you know, which needs to be done properly. Um, and there were there were lots of issues going on at the time. Um, you know, Sir Jack had a situation with with his own son, um, with 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 Jonathan, which which was you know involving uh, legal action, which eventually got sorted out. But that that took up a lot of time. Um, there was a situation where obviously the team wasn't doing well, which then led to uh, uh, Mark. Leaving the job, Mark McGee, yeah. and then obviously you, you then decide who's going to replace Mark, and you've got difference of opinions within the uh, within the boardroom. So you've got to sort of try and bring that all together. So you're all working together because uh, it's not just the team that has to work together, the, the team that's playing. It's actually the business team that has to be together. So that as a board. We're seen as one unit. We've all got the same message, you know. That you know, we're speaking to all the different uh, managers and all the different areas of the business. Then, but more importantly, that we're behind the manager. Behind that, you know, you've got to be behind the team manager, and that team manager is clear, you know, on on the policies and the the limitations, and so that he can then go out and make it clear to the to the to the team as well, and so that you know we're all seen as one. It wasn't like that at the time. You know, we had too many people at, at a higher level who were pulling in different directions, and I think that just got through to the the rest of the business. Um, so when I did leave eventually, which was like almost three years later, in 2000, it was more of a relief than anything else, to be honest. So it was... Uh, and, and there was still a bit of a turmoil in the club after that for a while, but... Uh, you know, it's 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 a period in time. You know, and that you look back on, and you think, well, would you have done things differently? Yes, you would have done. 
you don't always have the opportunity to do things differently at the time. Um, and you, you then go, well, you have to move on. Um, you know, we, we did, you know, nobody died in the end. All, all that happened that uh, I lost my position and the club's continuing, I'm continuing. So, you know, it's one of those things, it's history, as they say. But uh, it was a tough time for, for me and from a family point of view, but it was a time when I thought, well, you know, I would have still done the same. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, to me, as a, as a person who was in charge of the club at the time, the most important relationship and the most important uh, backing is with the manager, with the team manager. And you've got to make sure that the manager gets back to 100% because, um, you know, what happens out on the pitch does make the difference to the club. Um, and sadly, that wasn't the case at times. Because I guess Sir Jack was, uh, uh, was frustrated is probably the best. Very, and understandably so. You know, it, he put it, a lot it, of money it, in by that point. You know, and, and there, was, there were times which you know, was so upsetting because he was getting um, a lot of criticism from the fans and, you know, in my opinion, totally unjustified. But at the same time, fans themselves get frustrated and, and they find it easy. You know, that's an, that's an easy target. And, and to be fair to Sir Jack, he put himself up front, you know, and, and took it. But a lot of it, in my opinion, was, was totally unfair and unjustified. You know. And as with a lot of things, people just don't know what goes on behind the scenes and the work that's involved and, you know, how much effort and time and money people like Sir Jack mm. put into the club. Uh, you know, because in the end, without him we wouldn't be here as a football club but you know to think that there were times when he was criticised by people you know you think well how could that happen you know but it did um, I'm going to read you some messages now Right, from is this some... from my wife? You see, where are you? <laughs> where are you? Um, so we don't always tell people beforehand who we're having on, but for for certain people like yourself, it was only fitting that we did so. Um, so this is from Andy Sanders. He says that John was the reason that as a young boy from Bristol, I started to support the Mighty Wolves, despite coming from a family of ardent Bristol City fans, a true hero of mine. Chris Sheen, as soon as I saw him play as a young boy, I idolised him. Fantastic player, scored some wonderful goals. They say it's a mistake to meet your idols, but was lucky enough to meet him last year. What a pleasure that was. Could have talked for hours except for one problem – I was dumbstruck. Adrian Borgeist, I hope I've said that right. His goal at Wembley 1974, which I was present to see and had a great view of, never before or since have I been so ecstatic at a football match. Still gives me tingles and winds back the years. Um, he now lives in the Gold Coast in Australia but still remembers that Stu Parry as a boy playing youth football in the black country I only ever had one idol and that was John when I played on Saturday and Sundays King John was the player I tried to emulate I've had the pleasure of meeting him on a couple of occasions they say never meet your heroes John is the exception to that rule far out dreamer a fine player without the chip on his shoulder like some of the other star strikers did he did his job superbly with minimal first top man Named my son Jonathan Richard. 
Enough said. And Steve Plant said, King John. They say, never meet your idols, but he's every bit a class act off the pitch as he was on it. Travesty only got one England cap when he was played out of position. The word legend is often undeserved, but not in JR's case. It's lovely. It's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. But it goes back to what I say. It's, 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 you know, it's just a pleasure to be you know, in Wolverhampton and people like talk to you you know, in that sort of manner. It's uh, it's, it's it's nice to feel that way. Um, to hear that people say that they were you. Yeah. When they, when they were right. playing I with I used to be mates. Jimmy Greaves. I, I, I always wanted to be Jimmy Greaves. And, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, what I say, people like to have heroes and it's lovely to feel that, you know, I'm the hero for some of the, uh, I was going to say kids, but they're not going to be kids anymore, are they? <laughs> for, with the, for, the, for the people out there. So it's, uh, no, it really is a privilege. Mm. We're going to finish with a bit of fun. Good. Yeah, you're getting too serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me. Yeah. The rundown. Uh, let's start, as ever, with the best player that you played with at Wolves. 14 but, years to pick from is pretty difficult. Oh, yeah, a lot of good players. You know, Probably dozens of them, but probably skill-wise would have been Waggy, Dave Wagstaff, without a doubt. You know, he he was our out ball. You know, with four or five minutes to go, you were you were shattered. You know, you just give it to Waggy. <laughs> two, you know, two or three minutes, he'd he'd keep it. And, and, and we for the rest of us, we couldn't do that. You know. Frank could, Frank Monroe, because he was skilled, but you, you wouldn't give it to your centre half and say, keep it in the defence. Give it to Waggy. Down the left hand side. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, worst trainer at the club? Worst trainer? Oh, Waggy. <laughs> Waggy was amongst that. Uh, Danny Hegan. Oh, the number of scams they used to pull, try and pull to stop from training, especially if we were doing the, the long training, long running at Brockton. We used to do that pre season. And they they hated it, but Waggy and I, and I think they used to try and cut corners, you know, cut across, so that they'd uh, get back before the rest of them. McGarry knew full well, no, he didn't. Yeah, he wasn't daft. Yeah, but Waggy and probably Danny Hegan. Who was the biggest moaner? Biggest moaner. Um, Phil Parks still is. <laughs> oh, lofty, you know, he moans about everything. You know, you just. Yeah. He moaned if you scored past him because he hated that. So you just loved doing it because he'd, he'd moan and he'd blame his defenders, blame everybody but himself, you know, for Leonard Golding. That was even in training. So you just get used to it. Who was your best friend at Wolves? Best friend? Uh, a few good friends. Kenny was one of my best friends. Stevie Kingdom when he was here. Steve was um, from Warrington, the same as myself. We used to we played against each other in rugby league. Uh-huh. At the age of 11, he played for one school team, I played for another. But then he went his own way. But Kin, Stevie, I still keep in touch with Stevie. Good lad. But, and, and Kenny. Kenny Hibbert. Because, strangely enough, he's from Yorkshire, I'm from Lancashire, but... When I first came to Wolverhampton, he was one of the few I could understand because yeah. I couldn't understand <laughs> anybody from Wolverhampton. The lad, oh, just but at least Kenny was a, a Yorkshire lad, so he, he he had a little bit of a northern accent, so I could understand him. <laughs> who had the best and who had the worst dress sense? The oh, worst, because this is the seventies as well. So this, this is this is this is the seventies, right? Dugan was the best. Yeah, oh. I love that. Dapper, 
dapper, you know, really looked the part when he got when he, kind of big when lapels. He, yeah, big lapels, big collars, big big kipper ties. The lot he looked. Plus, Duke was a yeah, he, he was a bit of a showman anyway. Wanted Duke, you know, and he, he loved. He was a good singer, so he, he got a lot of talent. And he was Irish, so he could talk, you know, like nobody's business. So de- definitely, Derek, you know, is the worst. <sighs> Probably I was close to that. It could have been me. Yeah, it's either me or one of the other northern lads. You know, we weren't used to this sort of. It, this was south to us. You know, the, the southern style. So we weren't. Went to. We were still sort of uh, old-fashioned style. So it's probably me. Uh, who was the funniest player that you played with? The funniest player. Two very close ones: Steve Kindon and Steve Daly. They're still funny now. You know, because they do the after circuit, but. You know. You just, you just, they just used to lighten up the dressing room, and you need it. You, do. you know, we all need, you know, that that sort of the Joker in the pack. And uh, in the early seventies, it, it was Kindo, and then in the in later years, it was uh, Steve Daly. You know, you just didn't know what they were going to do, and it was, uh, you know, it, it made a difference to the to the team. Who was the best manager you played under? Best manager, I would say, um, um, Bill McGarry. Bill McGarry, he wasn't the easiest of managers. You know, he was. Uh, he would easily upset players with his with the with his attitude, but for getting the best out of the you know some of the younger players from a discipline point of view, and from a tactics, McGarry. What was the best goal that you scored? The best goal I scored. You, you mean from us? A style point of view, or a what, what, which, oh, or importance. Important. I had I had two very important goals, and n- n- neither of them were the League Cup winner. One was um, it was the first goal in a hat trick I scored against Everton, where it was from the um, on the left hand side, and Derek Park and hit hit this cross, and it came to me on my left foot, and my left foot was never my strongest foot, and I'd gone back to the goals. And I was just outside the box, uh, and I took it with my left foot, flicked it to my right hand side, and it hit it on the half volley, and it went right into the top right hand corner past Gordon West, who was in goal at the time, um, down at the uh, the South Bank end, and that was to me from a, a spectacular. That was the one, but the the most you know, important one to me was the um, the goal down here against Norwich in the semi final of the League Cup. Bearing in mind we'd lost in the FA Cup semi final the year before and the League Cup semi final the year before, yeah. and we'd drawn one all the way at Norwich, and it was the second leg here, and it was d- down at the North Bank end, um, flick on from Duke, and I knocked it, knocked it on, and I think it was. Uh, he was in goal. Keelan was in goal. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do? Because it's one of those, as a striker, you're running towards the goal and thinking, you've got too much time here. You know, and strikers are rubbish if they think. You know, they just mess them up. And so, oh, and I'm running towards him and he's come out, oh, just hit it. Hit it hard, hard and low. And it just, I whacked it and it, it just went under his body as he, as he dived, and it was it was one of those. I didn't place it. He just <laughs> hit it towards the goal, went to, yeah, and we won one 0 and that got us to Wembley. 
after missing out yeah. uh, twice the uh, the previous season, and the fans were great. You know, somebody nicked my shirt. They, at the end, they, they lifted me up, and then I've fallen on the floor, and this guy dragged me. He dragged my shirt off me. And I walked in, I hadn't got any shirt on. <laughs> Bill McGarry went, "Where's your shirt?" Because you weren't allowed to keep your shirts because they just washed them and used them for the next match. Yeah. I don't think he fined me for it because it all made me pay for it, but I wouldn't have been surprised in those <laughs> days. Yeah. What was the best game you were involved in? The best game I was involved in was a um, match against Leeds United in 1972. It was the, um, the last game of the season. It was a little bit unfair on Leeds United. They were, uh, they'd played in the FA Cup final on the Saturday, which they'd won. They they were then coming here on the Monday um, and they needed a draw to win the first division. So they were going to, they were on for the double. At the same time, um, Derby had finished their matches and they were, they were a point clear of, and they were on in Mallorca. Arsenal were playing as well on the Monday night and the situation was Arsenal needed to win with Leeds not winning and if Arsenal won Leeds hadn't won they, Arsenal would have won, won it as it ended up they drew Leeds only needed a draw to win the first division and the double and yeah, there was there was talk in the papers about bribery about Leeds offering Wolves players money to actually throw the match which you know caused a lot of sting and carried on for many years afterwards, and we had a we had a meeting on the uh, the Monday morning. Bill McGarry called us all in, and said, "Look, all these things in in the paper was happened yesterday. You know, was in the Sunday papers about the bribery. Just want to forget it. You know, don't want anything going on out there. We we just we're out to win the match, and the place was packed. You know, there was fifty odd thousand in Molyneux, and the atmosphere was absolutely." Obviously, there was a lot of lead supporters there. It was electric. And it was probably one of the best games. It was the best game I ever played in. It was end-to-end. We, we, we actually went 2-0 up. Frank scored, Frank uh, Monroe. Duke scored. They, they, they got one back. So it was really... Because they only got a draw. So, it was, so the, the, it was really tense for the last 10, 15-minute cracking game. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, at the end... You know, they were they were gutted, yeah. obviously. But and you know, there was nothing on it from us, from our point of view. But it was just a, a case of pride, you know, because we didn't want to have that situation where somebody could have pointed a finger and said, oh, "Yeah, one of your lads did throw it," or whatever. It was actually it worked the opposite way. You know, we were going, we were we needed to win that match. What was your proudest moment for Wolves? The proudest moment for Wolves. Um, going up the steps at Wembley, seeing Mike Bailey lift that League Cup trophy. He, um, we got a, at that time we'd got a number of older players, senior players um, who hadn't won anything. Yeah, Dugan, all right, played for Ireland. He played for Blackburn in the FA Cup final in 1960, I think. You know, lost. Um, Mike Bailey. Waggy, you know, great players, but had never won anything, and and we, as I said, we'd lost in the two semi-finals the previous the previous year. For, so for them, 
and particularly Mike Bailey, because I think Mike was, you know, and I don't know all the captains that have been since then, you know, in detail, but, you know, it, it, he was in a long line of top captains, Billy Wright, Bill Slater, who was meant Mike Bailey. I don't think we've had a, a captain like Mike at Wolves since then, to be honest, of, of the calibre and for the length of time. And for him to lift that, that cup at Wembley was, you know, the proudest, the proudest moment for me and probably for um, you know a lot of a lot of players of that of that team. Um, just to finish, we're going to do something that me and Looms actually I think quite enjoy. It's kind of we get to do like fancy time. So, <clears throat> so it's not a group hug then, Mikey. I'm pleased about that. <laughs> John, he's open to that. John, if you want a hug, if you want a hug, John, there's a hug coming your way. Um, yeah, you've been watching Elf, haven't you? <laughs> we get to um, we get to debate, I guess, and discuss how much you would be worth in today's money. So I, I'm on the record as saying that Looms would be worth 15 million pounds. Right. I think when Kenny was in, we said Kenny was a minimum of 50 million in today's right. money. But obviously you're a striker and strikers are worth more. Was a premium, money. aren't we, Chris? Yeah, strikers are premiums. They've got to, they've got to be. <laughs> I agree. There's got to be a premium on the strikers. So <laughs> you consistently top scorer in your team, consistently scoring goals in the top division. You're an England international, not enough, but. Mm. You were an England international. What are you going to go for? I'm not John. That maybe okay. Press. All right, fine. John, you can go first, what and then was, and then we'll we'll assess what, what am I worth? Yep. Yeah, in today's money, how much was Kenny? Fifty. Fifty. Oh, that's overpriced. For <laughs> Come on. Come on. He's only a midfielder. <laughs> goal scoring midfielder. Oh, goal sc- Yeah, yeah. Let's give him credit from that point of view. Yeah, he didn't. He did knock a few in. Did Kenny? But well, you know, I would. I would think I would probably a little bit more than Ken. I'd. I'd, I'd go to sixty if that's if Kenny was fifty. I'm having that all day. I mean, you look at it and you look at the the level, the the games, the importance of the goals. <sighs> Yeah, um, maybe even a little 70. bit more. 70. 70 right. 75. 70, 75, yeah. My wife would be happy with 60. <laughs> <laughs> 70, we're going for. All right. It's, it's, it's 70, it's only, 70 million. It's only a game anyway, Mikey, so it, it doesn't make any difference, but uh, it's very flattering. Um, it's just and a it's shame all that, relative, isn't it? It's just a shame Probably. that you weren't playing now. Yeah, all that money. Wolves of the soul, be wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't have had all those years here anyway. If somebody comes in and offers seventy billion for you in your early twenties, you sell them, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Nowadays they do. Yeah. So I wouldn't have had the length of time here at Wolves that I did have, and the pleasure that I've had yeah. since. It's so, been a pleasure having you in. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mikey. Thanks, Chris. Thank all hail the king. <laughs> Corny, isn't he? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.